what a year, you know, four days left of 2022 set our eyes to the future. New Year's resolution time, Joey, what do you got for 2023? Yeah. So definitely an interesting year, 2022, ready to put it behind for sure. For this year, I don't really have like any specific resolutions that I have thought about. I I just wrote down more so of an action plan of things I want to do and how I'm going to do those things in 2023. So some of those include like taking, you know, more initiative and better steps into focusing on securing myself financially in the future. So I have written down, I'm going to start an emergency fund. I'm going to create a budget. I'm going to start looking into investing into, you know, retirement accounts or higher interest savings accounts, right? So wrote that down, figuring out ways on how I'm going to do that and just overall the the action behind the goal that I want to achieve. And then I, you know, I just have a lot of different categories written down. So one, becoming more like financially uh, stable, and I have about like 10 things written under that. Another uh, goal or area that I want to achieve is just better health and wellness. So, you know, being more active in the gym, even though, you know, I did I did pretty well at the end of 2022 with going to the gym and whatnot, but kind of falling off a little bit. So I want to get back on track with that. And then, you know, I've written down, like, for example, like meal prep consistently, go get blood work done just to make sure, you know, I'm healthy and I'm good to go. Find a vitamin routine that I want to get on and, you know, focus on that and just overall just taking my health more serious and then you know just some other things with the podcast obviously keep on growing this keep on doing what we're doing we're on a pretty good path here you know just some things emotionally as well that i i want to continue working on so i already wrote down like a full page of notes we'd be here for a while talking about it all but that that's pretty much the areas that i really want to focus on and you know just uh, making sure that i put action behind it because anybody could say like i have a goal i want to do this but that's not important the important part is how you're going to achieve that goal right that's the part that you should be focusing on what steps are you going to take to achieve the goals that you're setting for yourself because without the action you're not going to get the result you know without the process you're not going to get the results that you want so yeah i'm I'm more so on just making sure i take action this year rather than setting goals and not achieving them at all i think that's definitely important important. I think both of us came sort of from a place where we were like lacking direction at the beginning of last year. And and for me, like what I reflect on when I think about 2022 and that I keep coming back to was that it was just like a year of change, you know, like massive change across the board, new job, new home, new relationship, new car in terms of the podcast for us, new brand, new directions in the type of content that we began to pursue and, and plan to focus on going forward. Like it was a like turbulent chaotic at points type of year instability another word that comes to mind especially for the first half of this year so like for me my new year's resolution is really just to sort of build on the positive foundations that i began to lay for myself in the second half of 2022 and work towards attaining like some form of actual stability i think that leaning into change is something that's important like i mentioned how going through those changes in such a short period of time felt chaotic which it did but after the settled, a lot of those changes ended up being really positive. And you can't come to that realization unless you first take the risk 
of diving into the unknown and embracing change to find that out. Like I plan to lean even further into that this year. Like new job was better than the last one. The house that I live in now with you and our other friends is better than the shitty studio apartment that I lived in last year. But that's not an invitation to kick back and relax and be satisfied. Like I want more. I want better for myself. And the only way to get that, like the only way that I know how to get that is to work harder, work smarter and continue to bet on myself and take the right risks and just sort of see where the chips fall. Like I agree with you that you need to have action steps, but I also think you need to be open and and willing to adapt to changing situations because that's really what life is, is, you know, constantly changing and, and making specific plans is very good and action steps is very good in my opinion, but you also have to be ready to step a little bit into the unknown. And, and that's what I plan to do in 2023. Yeah. I mean, obviously I think the most stable and most uh, well-off people in this world are a combo of both, right? Right. You know, a combo of taking risk and embracing the unknown and the variance of life, but also knowing that, you know, you're not going to get there without having a plan, working hard, and ultimately just putting yourself in the position to capitalize on, you know, said unknown. So just like DFS, you never know what's going to happen after lock, but you put yourself in the best position and, and hope that variance swings your way. It's a lot like life. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 277 the DFS Dose Podcast, your fix of daily fantasy sports information, strategy, and analysis. I'm your host, Ben Hover, joined as I always am by Joey Carrion. And on today's show, we'll touch on the cash game lineup construction early on the week and finish things off with tournament strategy, leverage, stacks, and long shots. Joey, good to be back. Had to unfortunately miss the Monday show. A uh, Wi-Fi was down. Rochester was in a state of emergency. Just tough scene all around. Yeah, I mean, just a, a tough week, um, especially on the content side of things. Like, we didn't stream on Saturday, but the Wi-Fi was down here from Saturday, like Friday night, Saturday to uh, Monday afternoon. So it was chalked either way, right? And um, then it was the holidays, Christmas and whatnot, spending time with the family. So we didn't really do much content. feels like we haven't podcasted in a while or talked in a while, yeah. um, you know, I I think we we should give a quick little recap of this past weekend. It's just like the the routine, and I, I've heard some other people talk about it after this week. Like the routine was kind of like thrown off a little bit for for me at least. Yeah, with all this stuff going on, especially on Saturday and Sunday. Like because Saturday on Saturdays, like I go and do stuff with the fam, and then Sunday is like Christmas, and then spending more time with the fam, and I just wasn't like available at all Saturday or Sunday. So I didn't play much on DraftKings. I did play props. I didn't play at all on Christmas, actually. I didn't play DraftKings at all. I only did props. On the Saturday slate, played a little bit because uh, that was a main slate. That, that's whatever. Played props. I, it was okay. I mean, had a, had a couple good slips and couldn't say this on Monday because we didn't record a, a podcast because, like Ben said, our internet was down. But fucking J.K. Dobbins, man. I, I got to get this tilt off real quick. <laughs> Okay, J.K. Dobbins projected for 80 rushing yards. Solid, right? You know, he's averaging like six yards a carry. Cool, whatever. You know, I I can't complain too much because I played his first half with Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry overs, that was a smash, right? I won that, um, and that kind of saved my day. But I had uh, J.K. Dobbins in a nice six-pick slip with like Gardner Minshew fantasy, Daniel Jones fantasy, Jamar Chase yards, the Jokic freebie that they gave us, and another one. 
we're looking good straight chilling after the first half jk dobbins has 10 carries 50 yards at the end of the first half i need 11 yards easy this man gets two attempts in the second half (laughs) in the entire second half two attempts he gets nine yards finishes with 59 and and i needed 61 Uh, just so so brutal I know I did play a bump line, but that's obviously not good. I I honestly didn't know that he got bumped originally, or else I would have just played the first half most likely. But they bumped him up like a few yards from his OG line to 61 and a half. And then uh, in the morning, because I played him the night before, in the morning, they bumped him up like nine yards. Hmm. So I'm thinking like, oh, I got it in good, even if if the bump is a little bit. Uh, No, chalked. Two attempts. (laughs) <laughs> two attempts in the second half, two yards away from 500, and just went on a nice losing streak on uh, prize picks after winning almost $1,400 last week. So that is the uh, definition of gambling. And, you know, then you go a week straight without being able to hit an entry. Shout out to me. Yeah, I mean, that's tough. That is sounds like an absolutely horrible beat. I got I also got completely scraped on Christmas Eve. I mean, TJ Hawkinson was pretty chalky and he dropped 38 points. He was the highest scoring player on the slate. Didn't have him, so that was very unfortunate. Didn't have Justin Jefferson, who was borderline chalk. He also dropped 30 plus. God, I mean, I, I don't know, bro. I had a ton of Dalvin Cook and in, in all my tournament stuff, a ton of CMC. I, I thought that they were the best two running back plays. So I kind of took a stance that I was gonna play them everywhere and fade henry for some reason i kind of thought houston was live in that game and that ended up playing out but it didn't stop the big dog from doing what the big dog does against houston and he ended up being the higher price running back that you wanted out of the three and and the one that i took a stand against so just absolutely brutal in in all facets nice uh you know christmas eve tax write off on that fat l and i also did not play on christmas i I made i made one lineup and it was a brady stack so that was completely chalked (laughs) yeah i mean christmas it's tough because like in the morning I was busy and then you know in the afternoon and whatnot I'm not even at my setup I'm not on my computer so I would have been building on my phone the games themselves were not good right like you had the Broncos Rams game which you ended up needing probably a couple Rams to ship I'm assuming yeah. yep I mean definitely um, Cam and the the other two games were okay I mean the Packers Dolphins game looked like it was going to be electric and then the Dolphins just shit the bed in the second half and Tua suffered uh, another concussion and that's going to impact this slate with Teddy Bridgewater starting so we'll definitely talk about that and and the Dolphins Patriots game for sure playoff implications there like I said I've been on a nice little uh, losing streak where just it just seems like nothing can go my way after getting a weekend of where literally everything went my way and that that's just gambling like lost a slip chris godwin missed by two yards jk dobbins missed by two yards those would have been both caches miles sanders goes over his second half rushing yards by one yard in that cowboys game missed that just brutal just brutal all around with that being said as we turn our sights towards week 17 i mean i like this slate a lot from a DraftKings perspective, it's very tight, and I think a lot of aspects of it remain up in the air as it relates to injury stuff. From a props perspective, I love this slate. I would definitely recommend people check out the YouTube channel where we'll have prize picks content out already for the Week 17 slate, have some stuff for TNF, maybe another video throughout the week, and definitely join the Discord as well where we're always actively posting slips. 
and, and our favorite picks on both prize picks and underdog. Got a couple in there right now that I posted. Got an early week 17 entry in there, and then I have a play for today as well in there with some hockey and NBA. So yeah, if you're if you're not in the Discord, join and and go to the prize picks tab where you know I, I play pretty much every single day because I just have an addiction and that's the only way that I could uh, feel something in this in this world. So yeah, so I'm losing money every day. But if you want to come and join and tell and and talk about uh, NBA NHL. I mean, I, okay, I can't say that about NHL because, I mean, at this point, like, we we all know that NHL is my bag. Yeah. But NBA, I mean, if you want to donate money with us, come join the Discord. Yeah, I mean, I, I I don't touch NBA unless it's, like, a taco on prize picks, to be honest. And even those are, are usually a sell fest. So, I mean, chopped for <laughs> NBA. But I, I'll, I always tail Joey in NHL, and it's been pretty profitable for me. So, I think that the people could benefit from that as well. Enough is enough. We've been talking for, like, 15-plus minutes now. We got to get to this Week 17 slate. You know, also... Last note, shout out to anybody who made the finals in any of the playoff best oh, yeah, ball formats. Yeah, I mean, just a huge week. A lot, of, a lot of stuff going on, but we are in finals week. We are in week 17 correlation week. Excited for everybody who made it. I did not advance any teams. Joey did not advance any teams, but a lot of people did. And, you know, let's just pray for some good run out for those who are still in the dance. All right. Slate specifics. 13 game main slate with nine games early and four games in the afternoon. From a totals perspective, once again, this week, like last week, there are a handful of games that project to be downright low-scoring slogs. Seven games this week, more than half the games on the slate, have totals of 42.5 or less. We do, this week, have two games that look pretty good. Shout out to the NFC North for holding the slate down. Vikings-Packers at 48.5, the second highest total of the week. Bears-Lions with a slate-high 52 total. The top five implied team totals this week, KC 29.25, Detroit 29, San Francisco 26, Green Bay 25.75, and Philly 25.5. Joey, what stands out to you this week from a Vegas perspective? Yeah, I mean, you pretty much... uh pretty much laid it out that you know the the slate has a couple good games at the top and the and the rest of it is trash and i mean i don't know if you like watch football all day on saturday or if you were busy those games were horrible yeah. straight up yeah and football in my opinion has just not been that good this year and I, I think everybody has noticed that and i i think it is one of the lowest scoring seasons in a while and the quarterback play just isn't good. Offenses just aren't good this year. I don't know if that's just because defenses got better or the quarterbacks are just horrible or it's the coaching or whatever. But, I mean, these last couple of slates have been very putrid, in my opinion. And, like, it, it kind of low-key just makes me not even want to play DraftKings because, like, I don't even want to watch football. So, really, gambling is especially over the last month or two months, gambling has been the only thing, and this podcast has been the only thing keeping me even in tune with the NFL, to be honest. But that being said, there's still money to be made on DraftKings, and there's only like two good games. So you're just going to stack up the Lions and Bears, who would have thought before the season started. You're going to just stack up the Lions and Bears. You're going to stack up you know, the, the, the Chiefs at home against Denver. They just gave up 51 points to Baker Mayfield. And then you're probably going to stack the, the Vikings and sail to the money as uh, Kirk Cousins and Justin Jefferson gave me the fucking blade three weeks in a row. So I might as well hop on in the for the fourth week where they could just disappoint me, right? Well, no, because you're not facing off against them in redraft playoffs. So this week they'll probably be held in check. Yeah, exactly. And, <laughs> you know, I just want to ask a question real quick. What do you think the probability is that I I played Kirk Cousins and Justin 
Justin Jefferson three weeks in a row in three different leagues. And they go for, so what's the probability of that right there? And then what's the probability that that happens and then Kirk Cousins and Justin Jefferson both score 30 points three weeks in a row? I mean, I, I've got to say it's under 5%. Just the chances of making the playoffs, right? And then facing yeah. teams in different leagues that all happen to be stacked up like that. That's actually insane when and you then, really think about it. Yeah, so that's insane in itself. And then Kirk Cousins and Jeff, Justin Jefferson go on like a historic three-week run for them respectively. Yeah, Justin Jefferson has like over 40 targets in the last three weeks. GG's. So I'm going to play him this week on DraftKings and just how life works. They are going to get me 15 and 18 points respectively. So yeah, he he's, he's due to not hit. <laughs> oh God. Yeah. Just to your point real quick about like the NFL and the quality of it this year. I mean, couldn't agree more for me. I mean, having been detached from my Lions fandom for quite a while at this point, like gambling and, and DFS is really the only thing that's kept me interested in the NFL for for years, I, I would say at this point, and the podcast as well. And it's like, I don't know what that says about, I guess I, I don't know what the reaction that I have to that is. I guess it's just, I kind of accept it. And, you know, truthfully, I don't mind it because it makes a game like, for example, Chargers Colts on Monday night, this past Monday, like I was fully invested in that game. Like it was one of my own teams, you know, like if you have props on a game, especially if you have like a five or six pick prize pick slip going for a single game, like every play matters and you can get very invested in that game. So like, I don't know, I'll probably feel the same way about a horrible game on Thursday night between Dallas and Tennessee. Like I'll be very interested in that game. And you know, there, there's still a way to enjoy the NFL, uh, even if it is through degenerately firing off cash week in and week out and at least we have one incredible game this week not on the main slate but buffalo cincinnati could very well be an afc title game preview i'm I'm looking forward to that game that's definitely a game that i'll be very interested to see but not on the main slate and the main slate is what we need to focus on here let's get into the cash game construction for week 17 at the quarterback position i think pretty definitively from a cash game perspective that this is a pay down week patrick mahomes is a 8,500 at home with the highest team total on the slate. Justin Fields is 7,900 in a dome facing Detroit, the number one fantasy matchup on the board for quarterbacks. Both guys are really solid plays in a vacuum, but when you look at the salary gap between them and what I think is a pretty solid crop of sub 6k quarterbacks, I think that the price differential really has me leaning towards the cheap guys. You know, Jared Goff, 5,600. Lions have a 29 point total. Gardner Minshew was on fire last week, 5,500. And Mike White returns at 5,400 in the Jets final stand this season. I think that all of those guys are relatively interesting sub 6k and you save so much money getting off of Mahomes and Fields to go down to them yeah i mean i think that you're probably paying down to quarterback this week for sure jared goff looks the best at home against chicago must win game for detroit right like pretty much like they, they have they to win it. this yep, they, they have it. to win this game 5600 weapons are all healthy uh they're you know they're back home after a little a uh, two-game road trip and jared goff in the dome this year he's he's been good right like his worst games have come on the road 
um, especially against cold weather teams. But now we get him back in his cozy little home in Detroit, full cast of weapons. Monra St. Brown's going to be chalk as well. Uh, Jared Goff is definitely my favorite cash game quarterback. Minshew looks interesting. Daniel Jones looks okay. Um, but I, I think Goff is the play over uh, these guys. And uh, I, th- I think he's the cheap quarterback play. Totally agree with that. Also worth mentioning with the Lions, Jamal Williams left in the third quarter of their loss to Carolina last week with a leg injury. His status is very much up in the air right now. I mean, not that I think it would necessarily change the Lions game plan. I think they would still get the same sort of offensive scheme out there. They would just have somebody supplementing the touches for Jamal. But with Jamal out, I just think that that probably increases the likelihood of touchdowns coming through passing since Jamal's the biggest vulture in the NFL right now. Yeah. I mean, yeah. So if Jamal isn't out, I mean, you don't have the threat of him vulturing the one yard touchdowns, but that would just be like Justin Jackson, right? They're they're still going to run the ball at the one yard line, no matter what. Goff's floor and ceiling I think it's still pretty high uh, in this game. Highest game total on the slate. But other than that, I mean, like I said, Minshew looks interesting. Hurts, I think, should be out for this game once again. I think Hurts will be back for the playoffs, to be honest. And Minshew did play well. I mentioned at the top that I took a bet on Minshew's fantasy score. I mean, prize picks just disrespectful. They had him at 13 and a half last week. He smashed that. He got 28 on DraftKings, 25, you know, in standard formats, 300 yards, two touchdowns. And I mean, honestly, the the skill cast is just too good for him to fail. So if Minshew comes in a little bit lower owned, I think that he's the pivot off golf in that range. But other than that, there's not too many quarterbacks that I'd have interest in. There's not too many games that I think are interesting. Fields at the top should be the highest owned quarterback back above Hertz and Mahomes if Hertz does play and to be honest, there's not much that I like at the quarterback position. Yeah, I, I kind of like just, I mean, from a tournament perspective, I think we touched on everybody for cash, but from a tournament perspective, I kind of like Mike White. I mean, the Jets opened as one and a half point dogs and they moved all the way to three and a half point favorites with the announcement that Mike White would be a starter here. I think he pairs really well with Garrett Wilson. And we just know that the Jets are willing to unlock the offense a little bit when he's the quarterback. He's, you know, 200 cheaper than Jared Goff, Garrett Wilson is going to be very chalky this week, but you could bring down the ownership, the cumulative ownership of that stack by playing it as a stack opposed to a straight up one-off. And there's obviously some ceiling in the bringbacks for Seattle, a must-win game for both teams. It's one of the most highly motivated pairings of two teams that we'll find this week. And then I also like for tournaments, Rodgers and Kirk Cousins. Obviously, I mean, we just touched on the ceiling and the stretch that Kirk Cousins has been on recently. A bit of a tougher spot for him this week on the road at 4 p.m. Two things that we don't like to see out of Kirk at 6,400. But Aaron Rodgers at home this week with some outside opportunity to maybe squeak into the seventh seed gets you know, the literal worst secondary in the league in a must-win game. I kind of like potentially going there in tournaments as well. It is the second highest total game on the slate. And I don't know how eager people are going to be to to stack up that game. I think that this game should have a little bit of ownership, especially on the Viking side. Mm-hmm. I mean, just one of the better games on the slate. So I, I, I think I could see like Rodgers and Kirk Cousins having some ownership there and definitely the skill position players. But it is a prime spot for the Green Bay passing offense. And we'll have to wait and see on Christian Watson. That's definitely an injury that we're going to have to monitor for sure. And that kind of takes away, you know, the deep speed element of the Packers offense. But none, nonetheless, Rodgers is cheap. His 
wide receivers are cheap. Vikings, I mean, like I said, they, they've just been, you know, exploding over the last three weeks. I, I know firsthand. So I, I do think that this is probably the secondary chalk game that people are going to target. All right, moving on to the running back position. The value this week is filled with question marks and we and we can get to that but I think that there are like downside cases to all of the plays that people are going to consider saving money on so if you're just looking for absolute safety this week at the running back position you're probably paying up I think Christian McCaffrey 9k is interesting that price tag is pretty hard to stomach you can save a thousand by going down to Saquon Barkley at 8k flat at home in a must-win game against the Colts I think that makes a lot of sense he's seen 18 targets over the last two weeks I think James Connor at 7200 is a standout play he's playing on 90 plus percent of snaps every single week the Cardinals have nothing to play for but they are continuing to ride the absolute shit out of James Connor and his role is just so so good he never comes off the field it's a plus matchup against Atlanta so if we're looking 7k and above the three guys that stand out the most to me and that I would consider for cash would be Connor Barkley and CMC Barkley and Connor a tier ahead just because of the salary savings and what it allows you to do with the rest of your lineup yeah totally agree that you know the chalk is going to be at the top range once again um kind of a similar week to last week where you're probably going to pay down at quarterback you're probably going to pay up at running back probably to two or three of these guys um especially with the lack of value that we have at the running back position this week in my opinion unless you want to make a couple thin plays which we'll talk about but saquon definitely looks good the giants you know still fighting to stay in the playoffs they have to use their best player and Saquon 18 targets 13 catches over the last two weeks I'm just glad that they finally uh, figured out that they have to give their best player the ball uh, in in both in both ways which they realize that they have to do that if they want to make the playoffs and I think we continue to see that this week in a game the Giants should win against the Colts Eckler standout play in my opinion once again CMC is a great play Um, 9k coming off of a bus week people have the sour taste in his mouth still a great play James Conner volume based RB1 there Trace McSorley should be starting this game and uh, I think that just boosts James Conner's outlook even more so those are definitely the top four guys and I mean right now I probably would play Saquon and Conner just for the savings as well but you can't fault anybody for for getting up to Eckler or uh, CMC no totally agree with that I think the concern with CMC is just sort of that the 49ers can't really move where where they are. You know, they have like a very, very slim chance to advance, but they're almost certainly going to be the number three seed, I think. So it's just tough. Like maybe they want to save the CMC workload for the playoffs. We'll see. I mean, his workload was definitely reduced last week. 15 attempts, only two targets coming off of a week prior where he had 26 attempts and eight targets. So just a random side note. We just got a Schefter bomb. Ooh. Derek Carr benched oh for Jarrett Stidham god that's that's <laughs> gross that's nasty Jarrett Stidham is 4100 this week against a good defense too man I I wish maybe the if it was, was against a, a bad better. defense yeah, yeah yeah if it was if it was in a good matchup that would be super interesting I mean we we could talk about that a little bit I think as a I mean the the Stidham to Adams stack I mean it, it lets you fit Adams pretty affordably yeah. oh, god <laughs> That's nasty, though. That's nasty. What a yeah. fall from grace for Derek Carr. Yeah, I mean, Derek Carr is all, all but done in Las Vegas. I mean, I get that the the Raiders don't have anything to play for, but God, getting getting benched for, for Jared Stidham. I mean, Patriots guy, though, right? Stidham yeah. comes from New England. Josh McDaniels, obviously, was in New England. 
you know, the last, what, eight years? Probably a little bit shorter than that. But, you know, they, they drafted Stidham over there, and, and now he's going with uh, the guy that he's familiar with. So that kind of takes the Raiders out of play. Just had to mention that. Completely. Don't even bring him up. Yeah, <laughs> Like Josh Jacobs, lead leader, league leader. Maybe this is better for him. Um, I, I know he's he's been kind of frustrated over the last few weeks, especially after last game against Pittsburgh. Only had 15 touches, his lowest in the last few months. He's 7,400. Probably a good tournament pivot there in a tough matchup. Nobody's gonna play Josh Jacobs. Other than that, for running backs, there's not too much value that I'm interested in. I mean, Ramondre Stevenson, I think, is too cheap, and he could be a little bit chalky, especially if Damian Harris is out once again. Um, and he's coming off of a massive massive bust in you know the the semifinals 6,800 too cheap but I, I think that the chalk that could potentially form or not could I mean looking at it now I mean Travis Etienne against Houston is going to be chalk for sure at 6,400 Cam Akers 6,100 against the Chargers so m- maybe I was wrong maybe we do have some pay down running backs I, I do think that one or both of these guys are going to be chalk and I mean Etienne coming off of a you know 25 touch game against the Jets gets the absolute nut spot against Houston obviously the Jags don't have anything to play for and and that's where the motivation concerns come into play so maybe it's a little bit more risky but the matchup is great opportunity is great then Cam Akers 6100 against Chargers run funnel defense I mean Cam Akers has looked good over the last few weeks and they are just going to ride him and and give him the ball no matter if they're losing or winning and this is just solely a matchup based play so I think both of those guys look interesting as some uh, cheaper value running backs yeah I I like both of those guys and you kind of outline the concerns with them that I have I mean ETN to me has a wider range of outcomes this week than he usually would just because like the Jags entire season comes down to their week 18 matchup it'll be between them and the Titans whoever wins that game will be in the playoffs like this game does nothing for them really their head coach Doug Peterson did say that there's no such thing as a meaningless game and that he doesn't plan to rest his starters so if we believe that then ETN would be a cash lock I just don't know if I trust that with 100% certainty especially if the Jags are up late like are they going to continue to feed ETN and open themselves up to risk with you know a real chance at the playoffs I I don't know if they do Cam Akers is on the surface I think a really good play just really hard to trust like they obviously went completely completely nuclear against Denver, scored 51 points. Cam Akers had three touchdowns, 37.7 on DraftKings, completely insane. And it's like, that just feels like the the stone cold definition of chasing points, but it's a good matchup and the Rams haven't had anything to play for in a while. So why would they change the way that they're doing things now? I don't know. I mean, both of those are like high risk, high reward plays in my opinion. And then two more guys that I would put on this list that I would consider for cash, but also have downside would be Leonard Fournette and Tyler L. Algier uh, for Fournette. I mean, this is a must-win game for the Tampa Bay Bucks. He had 20 attempts and 10 targets last week. The workload was crazy. I think that they like what they have in Rashad White, but when the chips are down, Fournette is who they trust the most, and I, I could definitely see them relying on him heavily once again in this spot at home against Carolina. He's 5,600, and the target upside is very high. Seven-plus targets in three out of the last four. That looks good to me for cash games, and Tyler Algier's workload has really 
really started to bubble and become consistent. 17 touches in week 15, 18 touches in week 16 attempts, I should say, with six targets over that stretch as well. Like, I just think that they are going to continue to see what they have in Algier rather than, you know, feed Cordero Patterson at this point when they're completely out of the playoff race. So I don't know. I mean, I think both of those guys you could throw into the conversation as well. Yeah, I, I agree with Algier that they'll probably just see what they what they have in, in Algier moving forward. And I mean, Cordero Patterson, we love him, but he's probably a non-factor at this point. So I think Algier is definitely interesting. Uh, you brought up Fournette. The opportunity that he got, obviously, most touches of the entire season last week against the Cardinals. But that doesn't really tell the whole story, especially if you didn't watch the game. Did you watch the game? I watched the first three quarters. Okay. So I don't know if you noticed, but they were rotating drives. Him Mm -hmm. and Rashad White. And it just so happened to play out that Rashad White's drives went three and out, but Fournette's drives went the distance. So he ended up playing more and getting more opportunity, but that's more so a factor of his drives just lasted longer. Okay, okay. So I don't think the opportunity is a little, I don't think the opportunity is super sticky, but I do think that, you know, when it comes down to it and, and it's playoff time, like they're they're probably going to have Fournette back there, you know, where that hasn't been the case over the last few weeks uh, slash months of the season. You know, Rashad White has been starting, like he started the game against the Cardinals. They had an early three and out, Fournette gets the next drive that goes like 10, 12 plays, right? Like the, that. that's what I was talking about. And of course, you know, I, I played Fournette in uh in redraft. Of course. GG's. Standard. Of course. Why wouldn't I play Fournette when he gets the most touches <laughs> uh in a game this season, right? Tough. So First. I will say that that opportunity definitely kind of outlier-ish a little bit uh, just because of the way that the game played out and with the drives and whatnot, and they are rotating drives. Um, but on Fournette's drives, Brady's checking it down to him at least two plays. Yeah. That simple. Yeah, I don't know why. He he doesn't do it with Rashad White. He do, he only does it with Leonard Fournette, and that's the entire Bucks offense right now. Their entire offense is literally running screens, slants, and dump-offs to Fournette out of the backfield only when Fournette is in the game. If it's Rashad White, no. Not happening. But Fournette, Fournette's getting at least one catch every single drive that he's on the field. Period. So you got reception upside there, 5,600. Pretty much a playoff game for both the Panthers and the Bucks. So I, I don't mind it. Yeah, that's about it that I have written down for cash games, unless there's anybody else that you want to shout out here. No, I think we pretty much covered all the all the cash game guys. All right, at wide receiver, I mean, the price tag is a little out of hand, but I think we have to talk about Justin Jefferson. He's the number one asset in fantasy football right now. 9,500 highest price tag that I I think he's ever seen. Definitely that he's seen this year, but 15 plus targets in three straight games, 11 plus targets in seven out of his last eight games. And he's gone for 30 plus DraftKings points in five out of his last eight games. The floor and ceiling combination here is completely unmatched by any player in the NFL right now. Like he is literally Christian McCaffrey circa 2019, 2018, whatever year that was. I'm not sure if you can make it fit this week because like we said, the, the lack of value at some of the other positions but I, I would never fault anybody if I if I flipped over the cards and they had Justin Jefferson playing against me in cash games he's just so safe and the ceiling is so high yeah I, I know I know <laughs> I, I definitely know that I mean he's going for the record he needs like 200 yards and I, I think he could definitely get that too so I mean that is the definition of uh speaking 
what she say into existence because uh, we talked about on this very podcast in the preseason when we uh, had Justin Jefferson over Cooper Cup as our number one wide receiver in best ball. He said, and I'm pretty sure he said this exact fucking sentence, I'm going for the record. Yeah, he did. He said, I'm going for 2,000. And he's about to. Yeah. So, <laughs> I mean, he's the best wide receiver in the NFL, I think, point blank period. Um, He's just so good. Target upside, super high. I mean, yeah. I mean, uh, play him. That's it. <laughs> I mean. <laughs> just play him. <laughs> like, you, like you would play him one for one over CMC, right, at this yeah, point for yeah. 500 more? Yeah, 100%. Yeah, so so would I. I mean, I'm not sure if you're paying all the way up to either of them this week, but if you were, I, I would be prioritizing Jefferson. That's something we can touch on later in the week as the value becomes a little bit more clear as well. In terms of other wide receivers that are 7K or above, I mean, Tyreek, I, I don't think that you go there. I don't think you go to Waddle either with Teddy Bridgewater likely to start this week. I don't think you play DeAndre Confirmed Hopkins. starting. Yep, with, with Trace McSorley, you're not playing Hopkins. You know, Adams, you're not playing with Jarrett Stidham. Like, all these guys are in terrible quarterback spots. A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith. I mean, Smith is all, all the way up to 7,100 now. That's kind of crazy, but I guess deserved with his recent production. It's it's hard to trust them, I think, at, at their respective price tags. So the guys that I'm keying in on above 7K are, are Keenan Allen, who's at 7K flat, 14 targets in three out of his last four games. Justin Herbert literally just locks onto this dude every single drive, and they pass at such a high rate. Keenan Allen's ceiling, I think, is, is pretty limited at this point, but he is just a bad bankable, you know, eight plus catches week in and week out. And, and I think you say the same thing about Amonra St. Brown at 7,800, mm. who I think does have exa- uh, access to a higher ceiling than Keenan. You're paying for it for 800 more on DraftKings, but I think it's probably worth it to go there, especially for the additional correlation you get with Goff as the cash game quarterback. Yeah, I mean, if you're playing Goff, you're definitely pairing him with ASB. I mean, he's he's going to be the best play on the slate at wide receiver. Um, so 7,800, you're locking in ASB. Don't really need to talk about him. Uh, definitely agree on Keenan Allen, 7K. Very, very good play this week. Uh, Colt McCoy just cleared concussion protocol, so that definitely helps DeAndre Hopkins upside a little bit. You're probably not going there in cash, but the target upside is still extremely high. But I think the overall fantasy ceiling isn't just with the quarterback downgrade, but I mean, you're you're going to get 10 to 13 targets from DeAndre Hopkins in this spot. And the Cardinals have shown that no matter who's in that quarterback, they are just going to continue uh, throwing the ball. Um, so I think D-Hop is okay, but definitely prefer ASB and Keenan Allen to D-Hop. Definitely not playing Waddle or Tyreek Hill. I think the Eagles guys are tournament plays only, in my opinion. Devontae Adams probably out of play with Jarrett Stidham in at quarterback. Uh, so that's pretty much it for the top range and how I feel. I think the the mid range is kind of interesting for looking like the 55 to, to 65, 68 range. You know, you have Garrett Wilson against Seattle with Mike Whiteback. Should be pretty popular, in my opinion. Juju, this man gets eight targets every every game. Barring he doesn't get his head taken off. Right. Which also seems to happen every day. <laughs> <laughs> True. Uh, Christian Watson, potentially, we'll have to see about that. That's an injury situation to monitor. If Watson is out, we obviously uh, would talk about Lazard and, and Dobbs as potential plays. And and then you got um, uh, the Bucks guys in you know, a must-win game, game, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, I think. Uh, Godwin there should have a little bit of ownership. Jerry Judy has been 
playing really, really well over the last, you know, three weeks of the season. Um, had three touchdowns against Kansas City just three weeks ago. Had uh, six for 117 last week. Broncos finally fired their head coach. Maybe that helps, you know, ignite this Broncos offense. And he looks interesting at, at 6,400. So I, I definitely think there are some plays that could get steamed here in this mid-range. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. I mean, Garrett Wilson to me is a cash game lock at 5,500. The splits between him catching balls from Mike White versus other Jets quarterbacks are profound. And I mean, he's still been managing to get it done just because he's him and, and he's built like that. He's an alpha, but the, the Mike White upgrade in a must-win game for the Jets to me speaks volumes. I, I love that play. I think you're definitely locking it into cash games. Out of the other guys you mentioned, I definitely like the Green Bay stuff, but we have to wait and see. I think if Watson plays, you're probably not playing any of them in cash because the targets would just be distributed all over the place. Watson would probably be the best if healthy, but 5,900 is a lot to play for him when he's day-to-day. He's missing practice today on Wednesday. We'll see how he goes throughout the week. If he's out and targets get consolidated, I definitely think that we're talking about Lazard and Dubs. Lazard's 5,400. Dubs is 5.7K. Those would both be interesting plays. And then you said the Bucks guys as well. To me, 6K range, Godwin is the one that I look at as the mm-hmm. best cash game play. His role is just so consistent. You mentioned that the Bucks offense is just slants and screen passes. And Godwin is just soaking up so much volume. His floor is so, so high right now. And and Mike Evans has been extremely inconsistent. So, I mean, I definitely don't think you consider Evans for cash. If Godwin and Fournette end up being like semi-chalky, I think Evans makes for one of the better tournament plays on the slate. But Godwin for me is the cash game play. And all the other guys in that price range would be tournament plays only. Ayuk, Pittman, Judy, you know, Metcalf, McLaurin, etc. If we're looking at the bottom of the barrel for cash games, I guess that Drake London, once again, I called him the best value play on the slate last week. Maybe I was being a little overzealous, but his role is is really quite incredible right now. 34% target share since Desmond Ritter took over as quarterback. He has 32 targets over the last three games. He's put up 13 points, 15.5 points, and 15.6 points, all without scoring a touchdown since week 13. And I just think that his role is really strong for a $4,900 player in a plus matchup at home. Yeah, definitely. Definitely don't hate it. Maybe uh, we just, or maybe I just have some bias against Drake London, you know, from earlier in the season uh, where, you know, he was chalk a couple weeks they didn't do shit but I mean if Ritter's dropping back he's targeting Drake London that's it uh so I don't mind him I think DPJ is good at 4700 I think Dobbs is interesting at 4700 if we're going lower than that there's really not many players that I would consider lower than that tier um don't think there's really any to be honest that I I would consider this week maybe Richie James at 4300 I mean Richie James has just been super consistent when he's out there yeah Um, it's it's just that simple especially when we're looking at it from a price relative perspective you know in his last six games he's gone over 13 DraftKings points in four out of six and then he scored 8.2 at at 3900 and five points at 3800 and I'm pretty sure he he left that Washington game with an injury as well. So I think Richie James at 4,300 and Isaiah Hodgins at, at 4,500 are kind of the only players that I would consider cheaper than, you know, the DPJ, Drake London tier. 
I kind of like DJ Chark a little bit at 4,300. I mean, he's gone for 90 plus yards and three out of his last four. He's really become a consistent option in that offense. Has been very productive from a fantasy sense at 4,300. And we like all the other pieces of the Lions offense. Maybe that's more of a tournament play than a cash play, but I I think it's worth shouting out DJ Chark. His upside is pretty high for 4,300, I would say. Yeah, definitely a tournament play for sure. And I mean, good matchup, good spot at home definitely the tournament pivot. Yeah. And, and the last two guys that I had written down on my list are the Washington pass catchers. Um, obviously Carson Wentz starting kind of throws things into a little bit of an unknown. Jahan Dotson though, has been heavily involved as of late 20 plus percent target share in three straight games, a touchdown scored in three straight games. And if we recall back to the early part of the year, when Carson Wentz was the starter pre Taylor Heineke, Curtis Samuel was consistently leading the team in targets week in and week out. We were playing Curtis Samuel in cash every single week and he's 4,400 with Carson Wentz back in the lineup, probably too thin, but I mean, and if we're going to talk motivation, like the commanders need to win this game to assure themselves a playoff spot. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I I think that, you know, it's not beyond the realm of possibility that Carson Wentz goes back and throws to the guys he's comfortable in, which was Curtis Samuel early in the year. Yep. Yep. Definitely don't. I mean, I don't mind Curtis at all. Um, kind of thinner, but there's not much value at, at the bottom of the pool. So you could definitely get away with it. Yeah. All right. So at the tight end position, if you want to talk about there not being much value at the bottom of the pool, this is a horrible week for tight end. I mean, every week is a horrible week for tight end, but this feels especially bad. Like I really don't like any of the stone cold punts. Jelani Woods, Tyler Conklin, you want to chase some Zilstra points after last week, Jordan Aikens, uh, Aten, Juwan Johnson might be the best of the bunch this week at 3500 do you have any interest in any of these guys for for cash games i mean probably <laughs> uh probably not i think oh god honestly you're probably playing Jawan johnson at 3500 if i had to guess uh, right now Trey McBride I guess is okay at 3300 but I, I just think Jawan Johnson just provides a, a different uh, ceiling from a talent perspective guess we'll have to wait and see on the on the Patriots tight ends you know if one of them is out the other one should be interesting both Hunter and John are questionable and they're both 3k that's that's a, a situation to monitor for sure but I mean the chalk is probably going to be Bellinger once again but just so low ceiling like he's not a pass catching tight end at all. Mike Kosicki doesn't have a role. Noah Fant, I guess, is okay, but you know, you're probably gonna get three to four targets out of him, low ceiling. I mean, just just scroll, close your eyes, hit hit the green plus button and and just lock in whatever one you land on and yeah. and hope for the best. Yeah, no, I I agree with that. I kind of I think I would probably lean Juwan if I'm gonna punt it off. I like what you said about the Patriots guys too. Johnny Smith was not spotted at Wednesday's practice. Hunter Henry was, so maybe that's an indication of how that situation plays out. We'll definitely keep an eye on that throughout the week. I mean, do you think that there's any merit to spending a little more money at tight end this week? Because I mean, we do actually have some ceiling and floor in the mid range. I mean, Evan Ingram has been really consistent. He's 4,400. You're paying for the consistency but he has it Cole Komet is the last pass catcher standing in Chicago and he gets a great matchup against Detroit at 4,500 he's flash ceiling at points this year and then I mean TJ Hawkinson kind of in a price tier of his own at 5,400 but his role has been incredible since joining the Vikings and his ceiling obviously quite high as well I think that he's interesting and and I think if you opted to go fully balanced and and build a lineup with TJ Hawkinson it doesn't look 
too bad, but it, it just it hurts my soul to play a tight end 5k or above in cash. It just does. Yeah. But you know, maybe we just have to get out of the mindset of like, we have to pay down. Like the pay down tight ends are just so horrible. You're obviously just touchdown hunting and maybe it'd be worth it to get up to, you know, a Goddard Hawkinson type that will get you seven to 10 targets at, at a decent price tag, you know, at a position where you're just not getting that at the, at the bottom this year. Um, especially right now, there, there's no good pay down tight ends in my opinion. So that's definitely interesting. Evan Ingram, Goddard, Hawk, Kittle, even, I mean, Kittle coming off of his best game of the year, 33 points against Washington also played him in the playoffs. GG's he's came through for uh, fantasy managers. So why not make it the trifecta? George Kittle, 25 in week one of the playoffs, 33 in week 16, you know, second round of the playoffs. Why not just uh, give us another 20 ball to to cap off a, a nice playoff run from George Kittle? I like the way that sounds. I, I really do. All right. That's it for cash game lineup construction, tournament strategy, leverage, stacks, and long shots. Joey, what are you thinking from a leverage perspective this week? I mean, from a, a leverage perspective, I mean, the easiest way in the, in the way that we've already talked about over the last few podcasts, I mean, you just have to flip the build. A lot of the builds are going to be paying up to these high-priced running backs, right? So you play the high-priced wide receivers, the players that have higher ceilings. Then they're opposing uh, counterparts at running back. You get up to those guys, you play the expensive stacks, and uh, you find uh, the mid-range running backs that go off for 20 to 25 because the uh, top-end running backs just haven't been separating. So if they're going to be chalk, you don't play them. Yeah, I mean, I think that people are going to be so scared off of the high-priced wide receivers this week, and and I think it makes sense to be if you're considering floor. Like, I, I don't think Devontae Adams has much of a floor with Jarrett Stidham throwing him the ball. I don't think that DeAndre Hopkins has much of a floor catching passes from somebody other than Kyler Murray this week. You said it's, it's probably going to be Colt. I mean, with Trace McSorley in there, he had 10 targets and he caught one ball for four yards. Like, imagine that. It's just mm-hmm. absolutely insane. But like, we saw Gardner Minshew. I know that he's like a tier above those guys in terms of a backup but he came in and you know AJ Brown had over 100 yards Devontae Smith had over 100 yards like it's not impossible that these quarterbacks that we look at as massive downgrades come in and lock into the alphas in their offense and provide ceiling games Tyreek Hill I think can break off plays on his own regardless of who's throwing him the ball so you know these guys will probably come in with way lower ownership than they should just because of the fear and like you said the the way that builds are going to naturally form this week will be around higher price running backs so I think just getting away from those guys and, and flipping to the wide receivers makes a ton of sense and the other piece of leverage strategy that I, that I would shout out is just like fading what the consensus is saying about motivation like it's kind of early in the week and it hasn't developed into like one solid train of thought but I think by the end of the week people will be pretty set in what they think teams are going to be doing from a motivation perspective but we don't know you know we don't know what these teams are going to do so people might think that the Jags are, are going to rest guys will, you know, play into it like they won't or, or, you know, whatever team that applies to. If people are projecting a ton of rest and we don't have a clear situation, you know, fully lean into those guys. And I think that that is a, a way to get leverage on the field as well. It's just sort of doing the opposite of the group thinking, you know, it, it happens with met, uh, weather. It happens with motivation. People think they know and, and they really don't. Do we know anything? No, I, I don't no. know. I don't know shit about exactly. shit except so, for that justin jefferson's gonna get 10 plus targets this week yeah yep so totally totally agree in terms of stacks and uh and long shots or whatever i mean do you do you have to stack like 
There ain't there ain't too much that I like personally. Uh, I like the line stack. Obviously, that looks very good, but that's going to be maybe the uh, most popular stack on the slate. Um, besides that, I mean, fuck it. I'll just I'll just go Bucks. Give me the Bucks stack. Yeah, I like I like the Bucks stack. I think Brady throws that like shit ain't hitting fifty times but this week. That shit is definitely not hitting. But at home against Carolina, they just lost J.C. Horn. Uh, you know Ryan Johnson. They're they're starting all pro. Center is, you know, maybe a, a potential return on the offensive line. You know, they've been hurting there. That's been kind of the issue is that they lost like three starting offensive linemen prior to the season. And Tom Brady just hasn't had time to to sit back and make the throws. And, I mean, we saw that a ton against the Cardinals. I mean, even like old, old-ass old J.J. Watt and some of the other Cardinals rushers were just abusing the Bucks offensive line and kind of forcing them into that quick game plan. But Brady, sixty one hundred. The Bucks wide receivers are cheap. The running backs are cheap. I think I think that must win game. Tom Brady. There, there. There's worse. There's worse plays out there. Yeah, I mean the volume should be there. I, I think he throws fifty plus times. I like the Brady stuff this week for the reasons you mentioned. I already talked about how if Aaron Rodgers comes in lower owned, I, I like that. And Justin Fields to Cole Komet. That that's my other call. And and I don't know what Komet's ownership is is going to be like, but if he's low owned, I, I would say that he's my long shot. I think that he finishes as a top three tight end in, in fantasy scoring this week. And if you compare him with Fields, maybe get a contrarian bring back or if that's contrarian on its own, you know, run it back with a Monra. But I, I really like that. And from the Bears side of things, they've said that they don't plan to shut down Justin Fields. I mean, I question the intelligence behind that because he's like working through injury and he's the future of this franchise. The only thing that they really have going for them and they really want to risk it on a, on a dead season. I don't know, but he's like 200 yards away from setting the single season rushing record if he does play I, I think he goes for it and Komet is like I said the only pass catcher that's that's still breathing there in Chicago so I really do like that stack as well and and throw Cole Komet in as as my long shot tight end play of the week as well with a, with a nice uh, DJ Chark bring back oh my god that that sounds really juicy maybe is it Jamison Williams time maybe not yet maybe not till nah. next year nah, next year for sure damn all right, all right. I mean, do you have any any long shots you wanna you wanna give out here before we close out? Uh, I mean, just gonna have to tune in to the stream on Saturday. We'll probably stream a little bit earlier in the day, uh, because it is New Year's Eve and we have lives. So we'll probably stream earlier on Saturday. Tune into that. Um, and I, and I'll have the uh, tournament winners for the people there. All right, that's uh, that's Joey Carrion guarantee. You turn in, you tune into our stream on on Saturday, and he will give you minimum two players that'll be in the Millie making lineup. Oh, every week, literally. Yep. yep. So we will definitely talk to you guys then. And that is going to be it for episode 277 of the DFS Dose podcast. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at Dose Media Net, as well as our personal Twitters. I'm at Ben Hover. Joey's at Joey Carey and DFS. If you guys want to connect with us and stay up to date with what's going on within the network and join our inner circle, you can find our free Discord chat link to do so is in the show notes to the podcast. To everybody listening out there, we appreciate you. We value you. Until next time, until 2023, let's stay accountable and keep it authentic. Bye.